Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range. Or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to teach you how to take back your life and dare to progress towards bettering yourself, honing your gifts, and using them for good in the world. Listen in to be inspired by others who are walking the same path of self-improvement paired with self-love, and to be a part of a community that knows life is about progress, not perfection. My goodness, the list of things that I have quit due to my body is so long and sad. Some of them include quitting ballet at 18 because I just couldn't dare to see myself in the leotard anymore. It includes not serving a mission for my church. It includes not pursuing a PhD when I wanted to. It also includes almost not dating my husband. Now, this is all before, you know, 12 years ago when I really was working on, um, when I became neck deep in eating disorders and had to work on my relationship with food and my body. But as I share with our guest today, body image is still something that is a huge struggle of mine and is interfering with my life every single day in some very important ways. Now, last week we talked about body image with our guest, Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. So many of you listened to that episode and shared it. Thank you. And thank you for giving me feedback on how influential her thoughts were for you and how revolutionary they were for you in your own life. Today, we are going to continue that conversation on body image with Dr. Lindsay Kite. She is the co-founder of the nonprofit Beauty Redefined with her twin sister, Lexi Kite, who unfortunately was in the hospital while we were recording this. I hope she's feeling better. She had to get her gallbladder removed. Wow, these ladies, they really know how to flip the script on how we view beauty. So much of what we are taught in the media and in society when people are trying to be body positive is just another way of getting women to focus on their appearance. 
Now Lindsay goes into what this is and, and why that's the case and how to really identify it. But she also talks deeply about body image resilience and what this really is and how we can develop it and the effects of having a stronger body image resilience in our lives. Now, Lindsay and her sister Lexi have an amazing course. They are both doctors. They studied this so intensely for so many years. Their course is incredible. I signed on as soon as I got off the phone. I went and paid my own money for the course. I highly recommend it. And Lindsay will be sharing more about that. Now, this, this topic obviously is something that is very important to me. I really hope that you learn from these women that we've had on about body image. And I also hope that you you practice it, that you do what they're asking you to do, and that you share this because so many of us suffer from this. I think the high majority of us women do, and I'm done with it, and I want you to be done with it too, as well as all the other women in your life. Let's turn now to my interview with Dr. Lindsay Kite. I want to welcome Dr. Lindsay Kite to the show. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, how are you? I'm great. I am so honored to have you on. And if people are, they're going to know right away who I'm talking to. You and your twin sister <laughs> uh, founded this incredible nonprofit called Beauty Redefined. I was wondering if we could start with you introducing yourself as well as this nonprofit. Sure. Yeah, I'm Lindsay. I'm one half of the identical twin duo behind the nonprofit. Um, unfortunately, Lexi's getting her gallbladder removed right now, or else yeah. she would love to be on the podcast as well. Poor thing. So thank you for having me. I know we feel for her, but she'll be just fine. But <laughs> I am, so Lexi and I, we're identical twins. We're 32 years old. We, we did this crazy thing where we tried really hard to not be so identical and have all the same <laughs> interests, but we just couldn't fight it. We just really couldn't. <laughs> and we tried hard. We both studied the same thing at Utah State. We were both journalists and I did women's studies. And we decided to go to grad school, didn't want to go to the same place, but that's where we ended up anyway. And we spent six years at the University of Utah getting masters and PhDs in the communication department where we studied media and female body image. So it was a really wow. interdisciplinary thing where we, we took classes in all different departments and kind of created our own little research path that turned into Beauty Redefined, which we started in 2009, right at the end of our master's project. And it's a 501c3 nonprofit. We're based in Salt Lake City. But through that nonprofit, we've been able to travel all over the country, speaking at universities and treatment centers and community groups and church groups and everything else to teach people basically how to recognize harmful messages about girls and women's bodies and then how we can move past those wrong ideas and really reject those messages in order to gain positive body image and body image resilience. Mm, I love that last phrase, especially body image resilience, because I think that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about how to build a positive body image. But I, I like the framework better of resilience, because I don't think it can be like positive mm -hmm. and happy all the time, but you can have that resilience. Yeah. Um. You mentioned how hard it is to recognize these messages women are getting about their bodies. And I have to admit, I've totally fallen prey to that, you know, with the different ad advertising campaigns. Your body is beautiful. And I mean, I know I've sobbed over certain videos where. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's but because of you and Lexi, I have learned so much about how entrenched these ideas are. Even the ones that are trying to be positive are still focusing on your body. And I didn't pick up on that until you introduced that to me. <laughs> so how about you do that for our listeners? Tell us what's happening, yeah. even with the body positive messages that we are getting um, and what they're really, tr what they're trying to teach women and what's wrong about that idea. Yeah, absolutely. So this is something that we have really been trying to push in the last five years or so because body positivity, positive body image, all this female self-esteem self stuff has become really popular. These are buzzwords culturally. We have celebrities and huge companies and industries that are really capitalizing on these ideas mm. that are very positive things, but they get twisted a little bit. So they continue to benefit companies and industries and even systems that oppress women while not actually solving the problems they're claiming to fix, like mm -hmm. negative body image. So 
the way we have been trying to push back against this is by reframing what the problem is. So we're really grateful that lots of people and organizations have tried to tackle this problem of negative body image and low self-worth among girls and women in particular. And that's been really awesome because, like you said, it's created so many viral videos and ad campaigns and amazing speakers and and really good intentioned people who are pushing back on the message that there's only one way to look beautiful. And that's been largely pushing against the idea that thinner is better. And, you know, that was a really long held ideal and continues to be, of course, that thinner is always better, that anything that isn't thin and tall and young with curves in all the right places and no visible flaws, and I'm putting those in air quotes, Mm -hmm. that anything less than that is just not right, not healthy and not worthy of love. So we're Mm -hmm. grateful that there are lots of people who are pushing back and saying, wait a minute, no, look, all bodies are beautiful. Look at all of these different women's bodies that are also attractive. And this woman is larger and she's also sexy. And this woman doesn't have the same curves or this woman has a gap in her teeth or whatever else. We're, we're expanding what, what beauty can be defined as. And these are all good things. The problem here is that when we look at what the actual root of the problem is, then it's getting missed altogether. So Lexi and I have been working really hard to push the idea that the problem here isn't just that that we're being oppressed and that girls and women are suffering because the definition of beauty is so far out of reach and so narrow. We're actually suffering because we're being defined by beauty. Hmm. We have to get out of this idea of thinking that that the most important thing about us is how we look and how beautiful we are or even how beautiful we feel because Hmm. that is still objectification. And objectification, the idea that women are a little less than human because we're mostly defined by by how our bodies look and how well they can be used by other people, even just visually, that limits us. That that holds women back. And so when we're still trying to to find beauty in bodies, we're focusing on bodies mm. rather than focusing on human beings with a much more complex set of problems than how they look. I think what you've done here, I mean, it's not like you're trying to light a fire to everything good um, they were trying to promote. Um, yeah. But what you're doing is you're trying to uncover the root behind why yeah. this still isn't, it's, it's still masking a big problem here, like you said. And it's, it's almost like you're saying totally. we can do better. We can, this Absolutely, is better, yeah. but we can do even better than this and I'm not so define glad ourselves. I'm you're getting that. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> because you'd be... Well, you probably wouldn't be surprised, but a lot of people hear that message and they say things like, oh, you're just jealous of beautiful women. You just wish that you looked hotter. And so you're trying to wipe out the whole system. And that's not what's happening at all. The thing here is after, you know, more than a decade of research on this stuff, we know what the problem is and we want to fix it. And a lot of companies benefit from that problem not getting fixed, Mm -hmm. even though it looks like what they're doing is really positive. So... Well, so there's we still the beauty industry on what the problem. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, they're still making money um, from mm-hmm. promoting the the emphasis being still on looks and beauty, even yeah. if they're trying to expand that. So, yeah, I mean, I totally, I totally get it. But it is frustrating to hear that people aren't getting it. Um, talk a little but bit yeah. more. <laughs> I know we're going to dive deeper into changing how we're viewing our bodies and having a better body image. But can you talk a little bit more about what self-objectification looks like and how that might tie into having a poor body image? Yeah, totally. That keyword, self-objectification, is really what differentiates our work at Beauty Redefined from almost anyone else who is focused on body image Hmm. or women's self-worth. And that really is key. This is something that we've worked really hard to bring to public attention and popularize. And so it's a term that is it's hard to understand. It's a long word. When you break it down, you see that the root word in objectification is object. Mm -hmm. So again, we're, we're seeing people as objects as something for our use, whether it's visually or physically, but not really fully human. And self objectification happens when girls and women grow up in this culture that teaches them that how they appear to others is the most important thing about them. Mm -hmm. And then we turn that idea and that outside perspective onto ourselves. So then in our own minds, we are picturing what we look like all day long. 
even when no one is looking at us. You could be sitting alone in your house or walking down the street. No one in particular could even be looking at you or paying attention to how you appear. But in our minds, when we self-objectify, we've doubled our identities because we're walking down the street. We're sitting in our house playing games, watching TV. We're interacting with our family. We're in our classrooms. We're standing up in front of a room speaking. But in our minds the whole time, part of our mental energy is devoted to how we are looking to those people who may or may not be looking at us. And this is a huge issue mm. because this isn't just a natural way of being. It's not just that humans are naturally self-aware and fixated on the outside of our bodies at all times. You know, some level of self-awareness is actually very good and obviously normal. But when you take it to the extreme that most girls and women experience every single day in our culture, that becomes a norm that should not be normal, should not be comfortable mm. at all. When we talk about this stuff to boys and men, most of them look around like, what on earth are you talking about? What do you mm -hmm. mean girls and women are thinking about what their thighs look like on this bench right now yeah. while we're listening to you speak? They don't even think about it. Yet this is something that most girls and women just live with on a daily basis. And it's something that holds us back. And a lot of research has shown the ways that functions to hurt us. When you're thinking about how you look, rather than being fully focused on the task at hand, whether it's a math test or reading test, throwing a softball, lifting weights, running, you do worse at every task you can imagine than you would if you're not thinking about how you look. And so if you go mm -hmm. back, think about how early that sets in for most of us. Some studies yeah. show it's as early as three years old that girls start thinking about how they look to other people while they're engaged in other activities or supposed to be devoting all their mental energy to something else. Just think about how much that holds us back from really being fulfilled or excelling in things and accomplishing all the things that we could be doing that this world really needs. That Some of that, a lot of that, I think, can be attributed to this problem of self-objectification. And when we get back to that whole positive body image message of um, feel beautiful, like look good, feel good, that kind of stuff that we've all been sold our entire lives is pushing self-objectification onto the next generation of girls, just like it has for the last few generations. And it'll continue to hurt us unless we understand that that is the root of the problem. Self-objectification mm -hmm. is what's holding us back, not just feeling ugly or feeling fat or unattractive. It's actually thinking and, and being defined by how we look. I feel like this is the last um, piece of the glass ceiling. And it's, yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. And it seems to be actually foundational to the whole thing um, in yep. ways I never thought of. And I love that you do bring in this research about how it truly is holding us back, not only women, but as, as communities, as countries, oh, yeah. you know, just the how how much it permeates into everything we do and we are as a culture, as a society. It's crazy. Um, exactly. Now, the TED Talk that went viral on this, Lexi was the one who, who talked there, right? No, that was me. That was you. Okay. Yep. I loved your story about swimming. Um, mm, yeah, thanks. And I loved what you shared at the end of that. Oh, goodness. And I don't want to go into that because we need to dive into the body image. But what I would like to say is I want people to watch that if they haven't already. Oh. Because you did such a good job of, I mean, I've been in the same shoes as you. I used to dance. Um, yeah. And you used to swim. You quit swimming because of how you felt about your body looking while you were swimming. And I quit dancing yep. for this exact same reason. Um, yeah. But how you came back to that later on and just realized how much more freeing you felt doing the mm -hmm. same activity with that release. Yeah. And Learning that I could still do that without changing my appearance was one of the most empowering experiences of my entire life. And I think wow. a lot of people experience that when they have given something up that they loved just because of something silly, like not thinking you look good enough in the process. Mm -hmm. When we come back to those things, and joy and freedom, then I think that can be absolutely life-changing. Oh, man, I agree. I mean, I just did like a ballet class two years ago because <laughs> I hadn't danced in 12 oh, yeah. years and I just 
did it, uh, like an adult ballet class. And I mean, yeah. I was terrible, but I just, <laughs> like you said, it's just so much more freeing to not worry. Yeah. And Absolutely. I think you can sometimes tap into that same childlike yeah. uh, joy that you had in certain activities that we learn to just self-objectify our way out of as adults. It's good to tap back into that. Well, and maybe that's a, that's leading us into the how now. Let's talk about how can we yeah. build up that uh, that resilience that you mentioned in the beginning. How can we get back to that childlike resilience of object- objectifying our own bodies and be able to be truly present in who we are and what we are doing, what we have to contribute to the world? Um, maybe that's a good step there. But tell me more. What does the research shows actually helps yeah. in doing this? Because it seems like you had to undo it yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, a huge question. It's at the yeah. root of everything we do and have done um, for the last more than 10 years of research. Hmm. But this is not, not just a professional pursuit. You know, as you alluded to, this is very much a personal thing. This, mm-hmm. I think anytime someone devotes their life to any question or any problem, it's because it is extremely personal to them, whether it's yeah. regarding a loved one or in their own lives. This is something that is extremely personal to me, but also has been made known to me in almost every person's life that I come in contact with. Yeah. And so this, I'm really grateful that, you know, this sounds crazy, but I'm grateful for the shame and the pain that I experienced through so much of my life because it showed me that the problem not only exists, but is huge and needs solving. And I wouldn't care to solve that problem if I didn't experience it firsthand and if it didn't severely hurt me throughout so much of my life. And that brings me to the answer, which is body image resilience, because that process is using your pain and your shame and the hard things that you've been through to be a stepping stone to bigger and better things. Resilience in general, as almost everyone probably knows, is the ability to bounce back and grow stronger and learn more, not just in spite of the pain we experience, but because of that pain, because that pain Hmm. opens our eyes, because it reveals to us things that we couldn't learn any other way, even if we never would have chosen that particular path. And that is very true for body image, because every one of us, especially as girls and women growing up today, and especially in in this culture, in the US and in other, um, so many parts of the world, we have grown up with the same ideals about what it means to look like a woman, what it means to be healthy and happy and successful and desirable and worthy of love. And when we all grow up with those same, very cohesive, consistent messages that largely look one way, then most of us grow up feeling subpar and abnormal and have some level of shame in our bodies and about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And in order to break free from that, We first have to recognize that it exists. But when it's everywhere, when it is just pervasive throughout your life and the community you live in and interact with, then it's really difficult to see. But Mm. that first step to developing resilience is simply the ability to recognize the forces that have shaped the way you feel about your body and everyone else's bodies and recognize the parts of that that are harmful, that are lies, that are wrong, and that do not serve you or anyone else. Only when we can recognize those and shed some light on them can we push back against them and actually learn to resist. And so that first step in the simplest terms is simply to recognize. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hmm. 
Okay. And like you said, this is going to be so multi-layered. Some of us grew up in families where this was entrenched and others of us didn't even have that a part of our families, but we still deal with it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. hmm. Since it's everywhere. And since so many of us share the same cultural messages, then no one's free. You know, no one is safe from these messages coming in from some angle. And so it's really important that even if you don't feel like this has been an issue in your life, I guarantee you know and love someone who has suffered very much because of these ideals. I think that's especially important for men to understand. Sometimes I think men kind of shut their brains off when they hear talk about objectification or beauty ideals or whatever, and they think it's not an issue for them. But men can be some of our our greatest allies and supporters. Mm. And men are increasingly bearing the burden of appearance ideals in this world. And so we all need to be aware that these messages, even if they seem just so normal and invisible and, and maybe even natural and good to a lot of people, we need to recognize that they are doing harm, that they're not necessarily just innocent images that some people agree are most beautiful or most ideal. They're engineered to look a certain way and to spark feelings of anxiety in most of the population so that we will spend our money on the products and services that claim to be able to fix the problems that they prescribe to us. And so this is a multi-billion dollar industry that sends these messages that we need to learn to recognize just to simply see. And once we recognize them, we need to do some serious reflection to figure out how those messages have seeped into our beliefs about ourselves, into our habits, the way we eat, the way we move our bodies, even if we don't move our bodies or engage in, in physical activity or events or social activities, we, we hide and we fix ourselves out of our lives because these messages sometimes have seeped in in ways we don't even understand. And so we need to do some self-reflection a lot of times to think about how we have let messages in and how they've just become a part of how we treat ourselves and how we think about ourselves. Okay, so we recognize it, and then we reflect back on what the application is of those beliefs in our own lives, our thought patterns, our behaviors. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, I know that you have, you've released a course recently on this that is going to yeah. dive super deep into that. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about, about the course, and then maybe introduce one or two more um, ideas that actually sure. help us move towards then turning the tables and being proactive about building building a positive okay body image go ahead yeah so Lexi and I have kind of made a name for ourselves in the body image world for being really solution focused yeah which I think is really important in this space where so many people are are getting mad about these beauty ideals and about objectification. And I think that anger is so healthy and so awesome. But if you watch some documentary that makes you so mad about this stuff, and then you have no idea what to do about it, then we're still at the same place we started. And Mm -hmm. we see that problem a lot. So one thing that Lexi and I did during our PhD research was to develop and test a, a course, an online course that individual women can engage with and it walks them through the steps of recognizing those harmful beliefs and messages and reflecting on how they have affected them in their lives, redefining health and beauty and empowerment in ways that are actually empowering and beneficial for women and yeah. our mental and physical health. And, and not then another way of self-objectifying. Yes, exactly. So much of the solutions are actually just reifying self-objectification. Mm-hmm. And then once we are able to do those things, we can push through into developing resilience through these four different sources of power. So that resilience thing, if anyone wants to watch my TED Talk, I go over a pretty simple little pathway, a model that is what resilience looks like. And if you want to explode that by about a thousand, that's our online course. So Leslie and I have been blogging and sharing this stuff through social media for lots of years. But we've had a lot of people ask us for a more regimented way that they can engage with this stuff step by step. And so this online course is something that we developed and tested during our dissertations. And we proved it to be effective at improving women's body image, at decreasing their tendency to self-objectify, at uh, changing their perceptions of physical health and their, their confidence in their ability to grow stronger and improve their health and fitness 
in ways that are not objectifying. So all these things that are really hmm. amazing. But we do offer that course online at courses.beautyredefined.org or you can just go to beautyredefined.org and you'll see it there. Okay. And so, yeah, that's an eight-week course that people go through. Okay. But I'm the most so signing up. Okay, go ahead. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. But to get to your final part of that question about how we can actually tap in and get to those solutions, that is that second half of this process, which is not only the ability to see more in ourselves and in the cultural messages about bodies, it's the ability to be more, to see more in ourselves mm. and then to put that into action in okay. really practical skills that we need to use every day and share with other people. And through the process of resilience, we learn to see our pain and the difficult things we go through, whether it's being bullied or having a baby or gaining a bunch of weight or losing a bunch of weight, all these things act as disruptions to our body image. So they basically change the way you feel about your body or you relate to your body in some way. And we all respond to that in one way or another. But through our research, we identified three different paths that people take in response to those disruptions. The first path sinks you deeper into shame. You cut yourself, you drown yourself in alcohol, you uh, any type of self-harm, disordered eating, all yeah. of that stuff numbs you and might feel like a quick fix but it actually leaves you worse off than before, including in terms of the way you feel about your body. Mm -hmm. And so we ask people to recognize when they have taken that first path, because a lot of people have. And then the second path, we want people to consider if they've taken this path, and you might be on it right now, like most of us are, we call it clinging to your comfort zone. So when you go through some disruption that, it, that sparks shame in yourself, a lot of people will just want to get right back to that uncomfortable comfort zone, even if it is filled with shame, even if you are constantly thinking about your appearance and self-objectifying, people will hide and fix their way onto that life raft of self-objectification and, and that comfort zone. Mm. And they do that through trying to buy new makeup or new clothes and whatever anti-aging okay. food or the new diet plan. You know, that's what the, all these industries are based on, selling us products that will keep us fixing, fixing, fixing in order to solve these problems that may or may not really exist and these problems that may or may not really be the root of the issues that we're trying to deal with. But then the empowering stuff is that third path. When we can recognize the pain that we go through and instead of thinking into self-harm on that first path or clinging to our comfort zones and just sitting out of social events and refusing to exercise or play sports or go to social events and things like that, instead of sticking on that number two path of clinging to our comfort zone, we can actually recognize that there are sources of power and skills that we already have within us that we already have access to and that we can easily learn and tap into in order to take this third path that takes us higher into a better spot we call rising with resilience. And to do that, we, we go really in depth into our online course about these four sources of power that fit into mental, physical, social, and spiritual. And oh, there are wow. a multitude of strategies huh. that people can tap into under each of these four sources of power. We actually devote a whole week to each of them with a bunch of challenges and strategies. Oh, my goodness. Okay, because what I like want to dive into all of that, but I know that it's going to take eight <laughs> weeks, you know, because that's why you have an eight week course. When I'm listening to you, I just recognize myself and so many of those levels that you were talking about um, in trying to build up resilience, how easy it is to slip in. Uh, to those uh, those ones that aren't going to help and empower you. And then that third one, empowerment, I feel like for me, what's helped me the most is doing things anyway um, yes, that I don't yes. feel like doing. Um, and sometimes that means putting down the fork because, I, and I'm saying this as a way of, I was trying to go back to that first behavior saying of like punishing yourself or trying to yeah. numb yourself from the feelings. And so feeling my feelings was a way of doing yeah. it anyway, not going to that comfort zone. Um, you know, oh. but I wanted to know, because this, this is something that I have been preaching so hard since I um, started this this podcast and, and the community I've been trying to build. But honestly, it is a huge problem of mine. Like it is, it is something that still interrupts my life all day long and in really significant ways. And man, it makes me so mad. <laughs> you know, it's like you said, people rage. Yeah, I'm like, okay, 
I got to know what to do from from that. So can you give me an example of how you, how this has looked in your life? Um, you did that more in the TED Talk too, but yeah. I'm sure there's some other examples you have of how how were you able to get to a place of of that resilience and acceptance? Um, mm-hmm. how, what does that look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think starting from just a really basic place kind of goes back to that whole recognized step where we need to take inventory of all of the the sources and the messages that we're taking into our lives, whether it's from people we interact with, even from our own family members, but also in our social media feeds, in the TV shows we watch, the music we listen to, all of those are sending us messages about which bodies are valuable, which bodies are worthy of love and, and what women are worth, what women are valued for. And I think it's really healthy to develop a sense of um, anger about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we do need to move a little bit past that anger, yeah. but we need to tap into that to recognize that that those messages are wrong and they're selling us short. And so I think it's good to recognize that and then let that kind of stoke our fire to create change. That can spark change in our lives. And when we are able to recognize those negative influences, we have to take some action to cut them out intentionally and consciously. And sometimes a good way to do that is to go on a media fast or a mm-hmm. media cleanse. Yeah. When we can kind of get back to ground zero and start from scratch, it really helps us take inventory of the things that are hurting us, the things that are telling us lies about ourselves, and the things that are actually just invisible to us that might be doing those same things. So we recommend taking at least three days away from all media, especially okay. social media. And this is something that more people have been talking about even in just the last couple of months, which mm-hmm. is really great. Yeah. Lexi and I have been preaching this for the last 10 years, and it's yes. something we both practice individually. Mm-hmm. It's something that has made a huge benefit in my life just to cut myself off from all media. And when I come back to it, I'm able to use my time more wisely because, like you said, it's sitting with your thoughts. It's being uncomfortable and recognizing that one of people's coping mechanisms is to just go to social media and scroll mindlessly. But that scrolling has a negative effect on girls and women in particular. Mm -hmm. Because those things that we're looking at are sparking self-consciousness and self-comparison. And so we need to find new ways to use our discomfort, our boredom, our anxiety. And when we don't give ourselves the option of using social media for that, even just for a few days, it can recharge us and resensitize us to those messages that might just be numbing us and hurting us. So recognize and then do a media cleanse. Really, it sucks. It's really hard. Mm -hmm. But it's one of the most invigorating things you can do to change your perspective. But I I really like what you set out, doing things anyway. And that Mm -hmm. is a really big part of what we preach because that involves the hiding part, which is avoiding events and people and want to be seen because you don't think you look good enough. That includes not raising your hand in class, not going up for a promotion, not uh, going up for a political office. All of these things that women can and should be doing, but because of objectification and self-objectification that puts these limits on us. And it can so start the ways We try to reframe that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It can be really simple. It can be just leave your house. Um, when you don't feel like your face looks good enough, you know, like if you haven't put all of your makeup on or if you your good clothes are in the laundry or whatever, leave your house anyway and prove to yourself that you can still do and be and live and grow and accomplish with or without the right makeup or clothes or the right weight or whatever it might be. This is especially true in terms of physical health and fitness for women, because a lot of us, when we feel crappy about our bodies, which is most of us, one of the extremes that people will go to is to do nothing at all. Yep. So we become really sedentary. We just hide. We think once we've fixed our bodies, then we can go to the gym. Then we can go do that class, go swimming, go for a hike or whatever. But that's just not the way life works. And it is killing us. Yeah. So as, as women, we need to push past that and reframe our thoughts. And our favorite way to do that is we've worked to popularize this mantra over the last 10 years or so. And that is my body is an instrument, not an ornament. Mm. When you think of your body in terms of what it can do, how you feel in it, instead of just how it looks, we open up this whole new world. Because when we're focused on how we look as the key to who we are and what our body image is and feels like, 
then we are diminishing who we are and what our bodies are. So as we can focus on how we feel inside our bodies and what our bodies can do, we tap into this whole world of physical power that allows us to experience life without getting caught in that rut of just self-objectifying and hiding and fixing. And that's why I went swimming that day. A quick example that I share in my talk, but I'm going to put it in the context of those four sources of power. Mm -hmm. So I had quit swimming when I was uh, in high school because I didn't want anyone to see me in a swimming suit anymore. And over the next seven years, I refused to wear a swimsuit, even though I was a really good swimmer and it was such an important part of my life. I just flat out refused. But there was one day when I was uh, almost done with college, I had a group of friends and a boyfriend who wanted to go cliff jumping. And it, of course, my immediate reaction was to say, absolutely not. And I, I made the excuse that I feel sick, but next time, definitely, please invite me. While in my mind, I'm making up every reason to not eat sugar and not eat carbs for the next six weeks to try to lose weight so I could go next time. And instead, that day, I, I recognized that those excuses I was making were wrong and were not really what I felt. I wanted to go. And I went in the bathroom by myself. And I just remember this as clear as day. I just stood there and I was kind of in shock at how quickly those, those excuses came out of my mouth that I didn't really believe. Hmm. And I recognized for the first time that it was this body shame that was really drowning me. Like, even though I mm. was a self feminist at the time, even though I was the assistant to the director of the women's studies program mm. and just prided myself on feelings of empowerment and, you know, mm. I don't have to put myself back for any sexist reasons, but I held myself back from things I really wanted to do because I didn't think I looked right. Mm. And so in that moment, it hit me so hard and, and I realized that I needed to push through that, whatever it took. And it, that's the first time I really tapped into these four different sources of power that everyone can tap into in a whole bunch of different ways. But I'll tell you just the four ways I used. Okay. Number one, I used my social power because I listened to my friends and my boyfriend who were encouraging me to go with them swimming. And they told me how fun it would be. And they told me they wanted me to go with them because I was fun. And this is just a little bit of peer pressure that I was able to, to listen to, but also trust those good friends and that nice boyfriend and just lean into that and go. The second thing that I tapped into was that mental power by taking inventory and recognizing that my resistance to going swimming was solely based out of shame about how I look. And I, I mentally allowed myself to push back against that, to stop believing it, but also to not let that be the thing that held me back. The third thing I did was one of the ways that I had known at the time and still continue to use was to tap into my spiritual power. And that's something that's going to look different for every single person in the world. And it doesn't matter how you tap into it. Um, it just matters that you do. And the way I did that was I just quickly said a prayer in my mind. I prayed to God for strength to have the courage to go, as silly as it is, to just have the courage to put on a swimsuit and go with my friends that day. And then I, I did it. I went ahead. I didn't tell anyone how nervous I was. But when I took those first few strokes after years of refusing to swim, I tapped into that fourth source of power, my physical power, because I was using my body as an instrument rather than looking at it as an ornament. Hmm. And I swear my, my world exploded that day. Like wow. I still get choked up when I think about it because it, it really was one of the most overwhelming experiences of empowerment I've ever had because I could swim. I was still a swimmer and it felt incredible and invigorating and amazing regardless of how I looked. And so any fear I had about how I looked just disappeared that day. And I had an awesome day, but, and it sent me on this third path to resilience, but not just because I had fun that day, not just because I was still a swimmer. I tapped into that, that third path to rising with resilience because it changed the way I approached my disruptions from then on. I knew that my disruptions and the shame I felt about my body, even just being invited to go swimming or having someone make a comment about how I looked, those things didn't have to send me down a path of disordered eating or mm -hmm. clinging to my comfort zone by buying into a new diet plan or buying new clothes or whatever. Mm -hmm. I could let that pain actually push me to tap into those four sources of power in the ways I knew how and in the ways that I would learn how over the next few years. And that has continued to be my process and the process that 
Lexi and I have taught thousands of women over the years so that they can use their pain for progress because they can see the things that are holding them back and they can push past them to learn things that they could not learn about themselves and their bodies in any other way. Wow. Uh, You know, I'm going to love that phrase, use pain for progress, right? I mean, that is amazing. Um, I am thinking of two questions that people might be bringing up who are listening that I want you to answer before Mm -hmm. I let you go. The first is, can you have a good relationship with your body and a positive sense of, of yourself and your body and still enjoy fashion and like makeup and beauty and getting dressed and all that. Yeah. So those aren't contradictory. Yeah. No, not at all. You know, they certainly can be, but I think if we approach them the right way and have a proper sense of our own self-worth, they don't have to be, they can just be um, additions to our, our lives, but not factors in our Mm -hmm. self-worth. I think that's what's really important. Like people, you can go look up pictures of me and Lexi online. We wear makeup. We enjoy fashion. I'm not going to say we're the most fashionable people out there, but we do both like to go shopping and yeah. And yeah, I wear mascara most days and I shave my legs, uh, you know, a reasonable number of times a month. Mm-hmm. But those are, so that's a really valid question because sometimes people think that when I'm calling out objectification and standards that force women to think of themselves in terms of how they look that must mean that I am going to reject everything that has anything to do with appearance Mm -hmm. but that's that's not the case and for some women it will be and that's awesome if you want to completely reject every factor in your life that is fixated on your looks or that causes you to fixate on it that might be someone's perfect path but for some people they're going to have to take a different approach Mm -hmm. and so what I recommend is to go through your life and take inventory of all of the different time and money and energy that you spend dedicated to your appearance, whether that's daily, weekly, or monthly. Think about how much goes into it. And I want you to think about ways to cut back on that. The way I have done that personally is I recognized a few years ago that I was pretty dependent on having blonde hair, like blonde highlights Mm. as part of my identity. I felt like that was just I had blonde hair and that was who I was and it, I wouldn't feel quite as good without it. And so I decided to challenge myself to go without coloring or highlighting my hair in any way for five years. And I did that and it was no big deal. (laughs) Not at all. I was still me, but I did that for myself to prove to myself that my self-worth, my value had nothing to do with the color of my hair. And that was something that actually showed me a lot about myself. But I also like to take inventory of my daily beauty routine and walk that back whenever I can. Mm -hmm. So I might start to depend too much on mascara to feel like I just look like myself with mascara. You shouldn't have to have any external products that men don't have to have in order to feel like you look like a human or like yourself. And so if you feel like you're totally dependent on something, I challenge you to just forego it. Skip it for a social event, for work, for even just going to the store and show yourself that you are still you without mascara. People might respond to you differently and you can be prepared to say, yeah, you know, I'm challenging myself to not rely on these things so much. Mm -hmm. I'm more than what I look I'm more than my makeup. And I think that can help people. But really what it comes down to is everyone is going to have to draw that line for themselves. Mm -hmm. And it is not up to me as a body image expert or anyone else in the whole world to decide where anyone's line about their beauty inventory should be. This is something that is personal. Of course, we need to be super critical of our own self-beliefs, our own internalized views of what makes us beautiful and valuable. But we need to be really careful to not turn that critical eye toward other people that are their boss. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that's what we can fall so easily into is that judgment of others too. I'm glad you made that distinction for us. I think what you're you're saying is, you know, feel free to experiment on that. I mean, for a few years, I I just wore mascara or nothing, nothing, you know, and that was like an experiment for me. But what it taught me is like, I actually do enjoy, I do enjoy some fashion. I do enjoy um, 
putting a little mascara on or knowing what I like about like lipstick was a new thing for me once I turned 30. And now I love lipstick. But like you're saying, it's recognizing where this is coming from and, and how invested and it is to proving your own self worth to yourself. One of the people I've had on my show um, is Katie Oldham from the beauty bureau. And why I, I love following her is because half the time she's like on there talking about makeup. She's not even wearing makeup herself. She doesn't have, yeah, she doesn't have those qualms. That's so much of what she preaches is you, not like you are beautiful, but you are worthy. That's, that's big for her. Like your sense of worth, you are amazing. You're more than your face, but she sees it as, as a way of, yeah, a passion of, and it's a way of self care for her. So I think it's important too to try to follow people who make that distinction themselves. Um, and Mm -hmm, I do that with her and like, um, cardigan empire. Rachel is another one of those ones. Anyway, just thought I have a, a few examples there. The last question I have for you is suppose, you know what, you mentioned how people can, can hide or to forbid themselves from doing certain activities or to treating their body healthily because of shame. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of our morbid obesity problem in America is tied to people not loving themselves enough and accepting who they really are and that's the real root not their their habits um so how can someone honor their body and feel positive towards it but still also recognize that they want to treat their body better i think those two are actually the same thing mm-hmm. um okay. i think one of the big pieces of confusion in the world especially around health is that if you feel enough shame about your body or the way it looks, that'll be a good enough motivator to get you to change your habits or, oh my goodness, um, yeah. you know, change your lifestyle or whatever. That's what and Dr. That's actually, Finlayson Fife talked about, too. Yeah, exactly. It's, true. it's a huge misconception that shame can be that positive motivating factor for someone. In fact, research after research shows that it's the exact opposite is true, that mm-hmm. when you feel shame about your body, whether it's your size or any other aspect of it, you're much more likely to uh, abuse your body. It is so hard to take care, to take good care of something that you are disgusted by. So when people put other people into categories of healthy or unhealthy, even the term obesity is one of those terms that um, a lot of people are are working to phase out because it stigmatizes people. It's charged. Only on their body size. Yes, it I is. See that. Because one of the most important things to understand in terms of physical health is that your health is defined by how you feel, what your body can do, and what internal indicators of health show. And that may not correlate in any way with what your body looks like on the outside. So one of those big myths that we've been told is that if you do all the right things, if you eat the right way and exercise this much for this amount of time, whatever, your body will look way yet Mm. every single one of us knows when we really look inside our our souls and look it's not true that bodies come in a huge variety of different shapes and sizes and looks and that is natural and normal and actually that that is awesome we need to celebrate body diversity we need to celebrate that people are different and that bodies grow and shrink and change so much over our lifetimes and we've been led to believe this lie that that that's a bad thing mm. that bodies changing is bad and it's not bad. It's good. And it's normal. And that's what life does to bodies. That's what aging does to bodies mm-hmm. and having babies and going through heartache and love and joy. These things change our bodies. And I think people need to learn to embrace that. And all along the way, we have to learn to detach our self worth and even our body image from the size or the look of our bodies. So your body image is, is your perception of your body, not your perception of how your body looks, but your perception of your body altogether. And when we are able to feel neutral, okay, good, positive, amazing about our bodies, not just how they look, but what they do and and what they are overall, then that stuff doesn't have to show up in how we eat or in uh, how we exercise in terms of punishing ourselves, you know? I think yes. a lot of people think that if you're really big, then you must uh, hate your body and overeat like crazy and refuse to exercise and all of this stuff. But that further perpetuates the mm-hmm. stigma yeah. that big bodies are unhealthier 
than smaller bodies. And so I think what we really need to do is to keep our focus on how we feel and what our bodies can do. Because with that, we can actually tap into our physical power and use our bodies rather than just looking at them. And using our bodies is actually the most effective way to determine whether or not we're healthy. There's a, hmm. a ton of amazing research from exercise science and physiology that shows that the best way to determine a person's health or fitness is their physical activity level. Rather than how they look, their body mass index, their size, wow. their body fat, anything yeah. else. This blows people's minds, but it's really common knowledge in the exercise science world. A lot of That's doctors amazing. are trying to shift the focus of exercise to what it does to your body blood pressure, your cholesterol, your blood lipids, your heart rate, you know, all these things that are required for good health rather than what it does to people's weight. Because yeah. your weight might not change when you go through this exercise routine or an eating plan, but what's going on inside your body and how you feel might really change for the positive. So we've got to focus on how we feel and what our bodies can do, which can be tailored for any ability level in the whole world, including people with chronic illness um, and mm. difference in disability. Yes. Oh, preach. I mean, seriously, <laughs> this is amazing. Okay, Dr. Lindsay Kite, you have just blown my mind, and I thought I knew a lot <laughs> about this oh, stuff. Oh, no, you're awesome. Um, I'm definitely signing up for your course. When I say that on air, I, I just want people to know I really do mean it. I go and spend my own money and buy these things because it's just incredible, the work that you are doing along with your sister, Lexi. I'm so honored that you would take the time to be on my show. And before we have you sign off here, um, can you answer my final question? I asked most guests and it's, what have you learned about yourself the past few years? Ooh, I like that question. I have learned that I am resilient. Mm -hmm. I really have. Like, I have learned that I can experience body image resilience even when I start to doubt that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's been one of the most invigorating things for me to prove to me that this process, like I know, I know that it works. I've seen the hundreds of women that have reported incredible changes in their lives, but I still get those little bits of self-doubt that maybe this doesn't really apply to me. Like maybe mm -hmm. I am just a little beyond this resilience process, but I have learned over and over again that when I, I am able to tap into my four sources of power to remember that I'm more than a body, then I can get there every single time. And that is just so motivating and thrilling for me. It makes me proud of myself, but also just really excited about um, Beauty Redefined and what it can do for people. Oh, amazing. Well, I'm behind you 100%. Thank you again, Lindsay, for being on the show. Oh, thank you. You're amazing. I'm so happy you had me on. Good. Isn't Dr. Lindsay Kite a powerhouse? I learned so much for her, from her. You should see the notes that I wrote while chatting with her. I had a lot of aha moments. You know, before I totally got caught up in those um, advertising trends of celebrating women's beauty and the different ways of beauty. And like we've talked about in this episode as well with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife's episode last week, there is nothing wrong with beauty. But there is something wrong about always pressuring women to look on their exterior as the source of their beauty. So I, I feel like I'm starting to move forward now in this long issue that I've had that I've worked on so much. It's so frustrating, but I feel hopeful. I feel hopeful and equipped now with these teachers that we've had behind us. So thank you very much, Dr. Lindsay Kite and Dr. Lexi Kite for the great work you are doing. I have linked to their website and their course that I highly, highly recommend in my show notes, and you can find those on my website aboutprogress.com. If you want to see more about me, you can look me up on Facebook and Instagram at About Progress. I love to connect with you there. And as always, I please ask you, if you love this podcast, share it as much as you can. Any episode that you love, share it with someone you love. And if you do so on social media, make sure you tag me. And those reviews, I love them. I read every word. They all mean so much to me. Your feedback is essential to what I do. I have a goal this year of getting to 500 ratings and reviews, and I am almost halfway there, and we're over halfway through the year, so I'd really appreciate if you took the time to do that. You can do it from your phone on the podcast app if you have an iPhone. It's super easy to do that, or you can do it from your desktop on iTunes. 
All right, friends, that's it for today. Thank you very much for listening. I have an incredible episode for you next week. And until then, take care of yourself. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.